What's up folks, welcome back to The Broccoli Roast. Today we're talking all about feminism, and here's what's coming up. And I think that we are absolutely equal. I wholeheartedly believe that. And I think that you'd be very hard pressed to find someone who wouldn't agree exactly. with that. Yeah. But we are different. We're not allowing men to be men anymore mm. for whatever distinction that means for them. How do guys then adjust their behavior to, to let girls know that they're interested without offending them? And I yeah. think that for her to be uncomfortable in a room full of men, then that's the that's choose a different bloody room. We shouldn't blame all men for it. Yeah. But at the same time, I think that it's so important that all men now step up. <laughs> you know, Why you are you defending him? That's the thing. This I'm not at all. But this. I had planned to write something interesting here at the start of this chit chat with my good friend Dr. Andrea Huddleston, but I. I, honestly, I'm too scared. I'm worried that if I get something wrong, if I say something insensitive or offend a listener, I'll have the wrath of the internet brought down upon me in a wave of the extreme left. So there you go. I said it, I guess. Sometimes feminism goes too far and is extreme. I feel like this is the case in recent times when the actions of a very, very small portion of the male population become a standpost upon which an argument is made that all men are bad and somehow inherently sexist. I thoroughly disagree with that, and to be honest, I'm almost offended by that. It's been interesting to read into this topic a lot lately through various platforms and thinkers and to come up with my own conclusions and opinions, many of which I'll share with you throughout this uh, interview. I guess the fundamental principle by which I like to abide is something that Paul Check shared with me, and it's that men and women are absolutely equal, but absolutely different. Now let's jump to the chat with Dr. Andrea. Cheers. Oh, cheers, Kale. I'm so excited to see you guys and <laughs> have you in good. for us to catch up in Sydney, right? No. So, so cool. The story is that you and I always catch up in Perth. I always come and stay with you in yes. Perth. And even now in Sydney, <laughs> it's the same situation. I'm coming to stay with you again. What are you doing here? I'm here to, uh, it's, been, it's a bit of a whirlwind actually. Yeah. So I am here tonight to talk uh, at Ruby Lane. So Ravi Rudner, um, who's a great friend of mine yeah. from uh, Village Chiropractic in Manly, has brought me over to talk about gut health, uh, you know, the gut-brain axis, its interaction with it. our hormonal function. Mm -hmm. And so I'm doing that tonight. And then flying to the Wellness Summit at 6 a.m. tomorrow yeah. morning. You're busy. You're busy. Um, um, one thing I yeah. love to ask busy people is how do you feel? How, what do you attribute to maintaining your health and wellness on the road what, when Ooh, you're so busy? Um, that's a really good question because mm. the first thing that comes to mind is sleep. Yeah. Um, but that's usually the first thing that goes as well. Yeah. So mm. I left, I was up at 3 a.m. I left Perth. Um, and I think five, uh, so, so mm. and going from two different time zones is really tricky. So for me, I have to make sure that I try and prioritize sleep as much as I can. Yeah. My food doesn't really change that much irrespective of where I am. So I still try and eat pretty well. Um, this is probably a little bit <laughs> abnormal <laughs> for me. <laughs> um, so, mm -hmm. uh, but this, I think this is the first time we've actually had a drink together. <sighs> so cheers. I think so. Once um, again. You know, we're feeding our saccharomyces blood. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, I am interpreting this as feeding my prefrontal cortex, helping yeah. to stimulate, you know, my hopefully my memory tonight. Mm. Um, so my food doesn't really change. 
got to stay really hydrated. Uh, I'm going to get adjusted as soon as I get to the Wellness Summit tomorrow by Damien. Um, He doesn't know this, but he's going to do it. Um, (laughs) And, you know, those are the things. Love yeah. it. So today, I mean, we could we could delve into gut health and all these different things, which is what you and I normally chat about. We've got you speaking at the Gut Summit in Perth this year. Yep. And hopefully Sydney and Adelaide and wherever else we end up going, by the way. Um, you heard it here first. That's right. <laughs> but today we're actually going to talk about feminism. Mm. It's, 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 it's a hot topic at the moment. Yeah. Do you consider yourself a feminist? You know, this is such a good question because mm. now I do. Yeah. Uh, and I never, I never thought that I was, and I never identified with not necessarily being a feminist. I was always someone who felt very strongly about, you know, standing up for women's rights and in particular women's rights within healthcare as well. Yeah. But until more recently, and I think until this, I guess, Me Too movement, mm. and without sounding like I'm jumping on someone else's bandwagon, that is when I really realized that, yes, damn straight, I am a feminist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, I think that simply just means that, and I know that there's probably all sorts of very detailed psychological definitions of feminism, <laughs> but for me, what I identify with is just that equal opportunity yeah. for both sexes. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think, um, is, and you and I have spoken about this before, as, as we've got the sunlight coming in and creating some, some awkward lighting situations <laughs> here. Um, you and I have spoken about this before, that the idea that men and women are incredibly equal, mm. or, or definitely equal, but also very different. Yeah. Do you want to expand on that in a little bit? Yes. Um, I love that you keep coming back to that, because I think it's It's so really basic. I think it's at the fundamental a part of, of this whole argument, but it's being missed in a big way. Yeah. And I think that we are absolutely equal. I mm. wholeheartedly believe that. And I think that you'd be very hard pressed to find someone who wouldn't agree exactly. with that, yeah. but we are different. And even like, obviously physiologically we're different. Mm. Our hormones are completely different. They're a completely different moving target. The way we respond to stress is different. Um, we go through different ebbs and flows throughout the cycle, which is different and which should be honored and respected as well. And it yeah. doesn't mean that we are less than or not equal to, but it is different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, that's good. I, I'm, gonna, I'm conscious of time as well because I know you, you're speaking tonight. So, <laughs> who who has influenced you, if anyone, on this topic? Um, this is so funny. Uh, when I just saw that question because I cheated a little. Yeah, The first thing that actually comes to mind was Gilmore Girls, uh, <laughs> and I know that that's ridiculous, um, oh, but. It was probably integral to some of my growing up in my teenage years. Mm. And I love that show. It is so creepy. It's so intellectual. And um, those women talk a lot about literature, right? And I think that, um, you know, some of the women's literature that I have read and that I kind of ebb towards Mm. has probably been pivotal in kind of shifting that. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the authors off the top of my head, um, like Charlotte de Beauvoir, um... Uh, there was one um, called uh, its name is literally vagina um, I can't remember who wrote it um, but it yeah. is it is amazing and I, I can't think of all the others off the top of my head mm. but um, I think that a lot of those authors um, have you know created a, yeah. a lot of influence for me why were you in what ways is a better way is a better question I think just having a really thorough understanding of different 
masculine and feminine themes mm. and also understanding in in real detail the female body mm. and you know right down to its absolute minutia um, has influenced that because it's pretty freaking awesome the things that we can do yeah totally and also the insight that it gives us into the world and for women we with with our cycle i don't mean to bring everything back to hormones i seem to do that all the time but it's just so important and i think particularly (laughs) i think think for for this topic it's so important um we get this distinct change Mm. in our cycle in our sociability in our even uh how articulate we are or our center of gravity and our fine motor skills throughout the month and we also have this ability to particularly like around that ovulation time to be very empathetic but also very um convincing so this is the time when we can be you know utilizing that to our advantage and you know signing contracts and planning like important speaking events and you know these sorts of things and if we honor those natural cycles then life gets so much easier and men don't necessarily have a, such a distinct change for them so so how lucky are we that we yeah. actually get to um if we get into the rhythm of it be able to use that to our advantage yeah i definitely can sort of uh, relate to you in the in the way that writing and stories and writers have impacted my my own view of masculinity and i think i don't know if i spoke about this with you it might have been with um some of the wellness couch guys but it was reading the Wilbur Smith journeys, mm-hmm. the, the Wilbur Smith stories gave me such a strong idea of of what a man should be and, and how a man should behave himself. Obviously, there are characters in there that are not nice and all that, yeah. but the, the main central characters I really, like, took on board and, and I almost idolised them, even though they were fictional characters. What kind of, like, I guess, archetype of masculinity mm. did it portray? Um, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of quiet strength in, in the way that my favorite characters behaved and stoicism. Okay. Um, and being, it was very old school. So often, you know, my favorite characters were from the, the thirties or the whatever, or the twenties and things like that. Um, hard work is very intellectual and. Were they like kind of Bear grills type characters? Yeah, yeah, and very independent and sort of brooding in a way, mm-hmm. very contemplative, um, not not um, too, is it brash? Brash is the mm. right word? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, not too brash, like very thoughtful and considerate with, with how they behave and things like that. So that was sort of what I was drawn to and tried to emulate. Mm. But I pinpoint a lot of changes towards that time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But there's been That's okay. Interesting. Look, let's. Uh, you mentioned Me Too before the Me Too movement. Oh yes. And while the lighting is is as awful as it is <laughs> right now, I will probably cut to your angle. That's a little bit better. Um, do you want to shift this way slightly? And what we'll do is actually sort of share this angle while okay. we're watching this. So this is one of someone who's receiving a lot of attention at the moment, and that's Jordan Peterson. I don't yeah. know. He's he's on the rise. Anyway, yeah. he's got a very successful book at the moment. So let's watch his thoughts on the Me Too movement. Three, two, one, go. You see the same same thing in criminal behavior. Hardly anyone is a criminal. Then if you take the fraction of people who are criminals, most of them are like one, two time criminals, right? But there's a a professional hardcore group that commit all the crimes. Well, it's the same thing with sexual assault and sexual harassment. Well, you don't want to confuse the action of some of the men with all of the men. 
Like it's really important to get that distinction right, and we're not getting that distinction right well, at all. Well, that's what I was going to ask you: is that it, you know, we, it, it's critical to differentiate among, first of all, among the offenses, surely. Well, you'd hope so. And among the uh, perpetrators or alleged perpetrators, and yet now the discussion seems to be turning to, um, you know, to almost an attack on the masculinity of uh, corporations, yeah, well, well, you know, hierarchies yeah. and yeah. in companies. <clears throat> and how is it possible that we don't recognize what well, we do? I'm listening to his book at but the moment. There's it's that okay. minimum Deep. at one end, mm. and then there's somebody who's sexually assaulting women, physically raping well, women. Well, some of it is that there's a concerted effort on the part of the radical postmodern left to erase the distinction between categories of criminal behavior. Categories is all we got. Yeah, but the postmodernists don't like categories. You see, that's, that's if you go way down in, into the into the structure of words, the I current think. culture war. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Some of this, I'm like, the very yeah, yeah. <laughs> two postmodernist, Marxist, post Marxist left, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Are, it's pretty deep. They're, they're full-scale assaulting. One is categorization, because they believe that the only function of categorization is power. Mm. The other one is that um, there's a war on competence, because if you admit that there are hierarchical structures that are predicated on competence, then it then you have to grapple this is with the, the issue of competence, me. and you have this, to grapple like, with the issue yeah. of valid hierarchy. Oh yeah, all no, I definitely. Is power and all power is corrupt. I picked up this after watching tyranny, it a couple of times. Then you can't admit <laughs> to competence. But the downside there's a there's a terrible price to be paid for that because every value system produces a hierarchy. So if you dispense with the hierarchy, you dispense with the value systems. Recently. Uh, you know, uh, the, the founding director and creative director, I think he was, mm. Albert Schultz from the okay. Soul Pepper Theatre Company, was the latest in Canada again. to mm. be accused of what sounds like a pretty wide range of offenses. Why are women coming forward now about events that happened 15 or 20 years ago? Okay, well, let's, let's address that two ways. I mean, the first, there's been an adolescent insistence since the early 60s that sexual behavior can be rule-free. Now, a lot of that was generated as a consequence of the birth control sure. pill, right? Because it was yeah. like, that's a biological revolution. All right, all of a sudden, women can control their reproductive function in principle. Question one, what does that make women? Because now they're a new biological entity, right? Yeah. And so it's wide open. What are women now? We don't know. The next thing that's wide open is, well, maybe there are no rules for sex then. There's an impulsive part of human, human beings, it's associated with the sexual drive obviously, that would love it if there were no rules governing sexual behavior sure. because then it would be all orgies all the time with no consequences, right? And so, but the problem is, is that all of that's untrue because you can't divorce sexuality from emotion. You also can't divorce <laughs> it from responsibility. You can't divorce it from uh, family. Yes. You can't divorce it from respect. You can't divorce it from children. Like, it, it's so central. You can't divorce it from power. You can't divorce it from tyranny or love. Like it's it's central, and it and it involves all those other things. And so there are rules. The question is, what are the rules? And the answer is, no one knows. So there's going to be mistakes everywhere, all the time. Where do you draw the line between a a sexual invitation and harassment? Well, like a cynic would say, anything unwanted is harassment. Well, how the hell is the person who's making the offer supposed to distinguish, determine that beforehand? Yeah, you, you make the offer or the invitation in part to find out whether if it's, it's welcome. Wanted. Yes, and the, the, the terrible thing about that in part is that it's almost always men who do that, yeah. right? Men make the offer. 
And almost always it's rejected, and it's almost always rejected even by women who might be interested under some circumstances. Yeah. Now, the reason for that, as far as I can tell, is that women bear a much heavier price for sexual activity than men do. So they're the ones that are going to say no. The problem is, is that we need to know exactly mm -hmm. where the rules are, and we don't. In this climate, though. A few things rise there. What do you think? First thoughts. Um, it's a very interesting argument, and I understand yeah. what he's saying, like particularly at the start, and this might be the most obvious takeaway, but he is differentiating the, uh, you know, heinous acts of certain, like, I don't know, predators, yeah. I guess, um, who have been certainly, you know, named in the Me Too movement, that's for sure, yeah. as opposed to, like, you know, separating that from uh, men or males as a whole and I understand that and I yeah. totally get that you know we shouldn't blame all men for it yeah. but at the same time I think that it's so important that all men now step up yeah. and that all men have an understanding that this is now becoming such a movement and it's not a new thing the Me Too movement has been around for I think since 2012 it actually started oh, really? but That's it wasn't until the Harvey Weinstein yeah. um, uh, scandal came out um, and his you know absolutely horrific behavior towards women mm. that it actually <clears throat> created enough leverage and maybe reached that um, tipping point tipping point yeah <laughs> uh, but I think that men don't have enough of an understanding of what it is like to be a woman yes. and what it feels like to be a woman and what it feels like to say um, you know walk to your car late at night mm. um, checking your surroundings holding your keys between your fingers like all like silly little things that we do but it's just because we don't have an inherent sense of safety um, and also we just expect and maybe this is um, not correct but if we're out, um, you know, maybe at a bar or something like that, there's a certain level of, yeah. um, you know, harassment or, yeah. um, you know, annoyance that happens. Mm. So I understand that he's saying that, yes, there's a distinction. So how do you, I mean, just to, sorry to interrupt you there, how do you then sort of expect um, <laughs> sexual conduct to move ahead without, you know, in that situation with people going out to bars and stuff? Yeah. You know, and oh, clearly not everybody's going out to the bar to pick up <laughs> or get laid or whatever. But that's sort of inherent in that situation. Totally. How, yeah. how do guys then adjust their behavior to, to let girls know that they're interested without offending them? And I guess that's where he's went in the second half. Yeah. And I know that he talks a lot about intent yeah. um, later on. And... Uh, it doesn't even matter what the intent is. It's the mm. way that it's received. Yeah. And that's really hard because you, no man is ever expected totally. to be a mind reader. Yeah. Um, but I think it comes back to maybe some sort of level of consent. Mm. Like I think that, um, you know, just approaching a woman um, genuinely and not objectifying her. Mm. Um, and I, I don't know if this is relevant, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. There's this really interesting quote that goes... Um, Something along the lines of men are valued for what they do. So, for example, um, you know, who, what their role is, what their career is, those yeah. sorts of things. Whereas women are valued for how they look and how they act. Yeah, I can see that. So their mm. demeanor and, and those sorts of things. And I think that that is terrible. So anyway, coming back to the point was how do men approach that? Mm. I think with a complete level of respect and awareness as well. So if you see another guy in a bar harassing a woman, then it... It shouldn't be a woman who has to protect herself from that. It should be other men who are yeah. going, that's totally not okay. Yeah. Um, We've, I've done that before. Awesome. Like, literally. Awesome. I, I, and it's not just with, with Emma or whatnot. I remember 
I mean, we, we actually were just in Croatia and we had a night out where we were, you know, dancing and all this stuff. And of course, um, one of the worst, see, this is the thing, is that one, one of those males who creates such a horrible image of the rest of us yeah. comes in and starts acting like a complete quit, basically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, is doing all the stuff and, and just being an absolute jerk and, and sicko. And so what we, you know, we all sort of get together and crowd around and like create a little circle around the poor girls who are sort of doing it. But I suppose when you do that as a guy and you, um, and then you hear that, oh, but you're a predator because you're a male. It's like, it's hard to hear because, because in so deep within me, I'm like, well, that's not true at all. Yeah. And I like the fact that it's, uh, giving you that kind of visceral reaction yeah. and that's great and that should be the conversation that then's hap- then is what's happening yeah. um, and I you know, I don't know what the answer is I don't know if anybody knows what the answer is as to how to um, you know, unblur those lines of consent and respect and, and all of those sorts of things and I sh- I'm sure all women will attest to the fact that not all men are predators mm. but it's also really tricky particularly and I think the media is like does the worst job of this when uh say it happened just recently that woman was raped and killed in sydney on her way home from a comedy show melvin sorry on the way home from a comedy show yeah Um, i'm sorry i can't remember her name but uh the way that that was portrayed was not that there is a heinous um you know murderous rapist that's going around it's that this woman is a victim so it's all about her it's all about the fact Mm -hmm. that um, you know, she was perpetrated rather than the focus actually being on what actually happened. Yeah. And then the police coming out saying, well, women need to not walk in parks at night yeah. and that all the onus is on them. Uh, so I think that's just absolutely exacerbating the problem. Yeah, there was one particular piece that we could react to, but we won't, uh, that was put up on the project uh, about that incident. And there was a lot, very long piece, emotional piece to camera that um tracy oh no what's her name uh lisa wilkinson put out mm-hmm. and you know but parts of it were so true you know and, and i could completely empathize with the fact that people are upset uh but at the same time a big voice inside my head and correct me if i'm being too simple if i'm being you know silly um was like no this is not a this is men and again this could be short-sighted but most men do not walk around going i'm waiting for a girl to walk home in the park alone so that i can go and track her down and that was how i felt that it was portrayed on on these you know passionate people who were trying to be i suppose trying to create something out of it but Mm. i felt like it was you know interesting and i wonder if that when we this was the yeah it was it was for me, it was like, oh, there's one crazy idiot yeah. who clearly has no idea how to treat people. And obviously, um, I said crazy idiot. It's probably a little bit um, insensitive because he was dealing with whatever that came out. And even though that's, you know. Why you are you defending him? That's the thing. There's, I'm not at all. But there's so many little caveats here that I almost, I don't know. I'm treading, I'm treading on eggshells right now. Yeah, and I can understand, yeah. um, and I can also understand how it must be like a very difficult thing for men and good men to talk about as well, <laughs> totally. who don't have any kind of predatory nature. I yeah. just remembered one of the most poignant books that I've read recently. It's called The War on Women mm-hmm. by Sue, uh, Sue Lloyd Roberts, um, and she uh, is this absolutely phenomenal journalist. Unfortunately, she passed away, but they still published her book. Mm. Um, I would really encourage everyone to read that because it kind of gives you a little bit of perspective into culture 
culturally. Mm. Um, so not just here in Western society, but, you know, through parts of Africa and Ireland and all sorts of things that what women have had to endure. Um, and still are and for example how India is the worst place in the world to be a woman um, coming back to what you're saying Kale, I I wonder if that we're missing the point if men are getting defensive by <laughs> by saying and I'm not criticizing you at all but no, if men are, if men are getting defensive going but I'm not like that like are we missing the point hmm. um, and I don't think that when that happens any women are pointing fingers at men who aren't like that but it's more on the fact that the focus needs to shift from it being about her about her being victimized about her um you know shouldn't have been walking home at night all those sorts of things but what are we creating in society where this can happen Hmm. I suppose one of the biggest stats, and we'll move on because I know we've got a little bit of time, but one of the biggest stats that sort of shone for me during that whole situation, that whole sad situation, was the fact that um, men are 12 times more likely to kill themselves than to kill a female, and yet there's so much more attention on this movement, as there should be, but I also think on the flip side there should be attention on the other side of it, which is just it's not being discussed. I think I think this is a Margaret Atwood quote, but um, I, I could be wrong. Um, and she says that uh, men are afraid that women will laugh at them, whereas women are afraid that men will kill them. Yeah, okay. That's pretty brutal. So I understand that you um, you know want to shine some light on the fact that mm. the rate of male suicide is so high. But it might be different. It's just a different... Yeah, yeah but there are also, like, domestic violence yeah. um, and mm. when you know women are um, like in homicide and those sorts of things the rates of that are so much higher in women as well so um, I definitely think that those are two distinct issues and I think that um, men's mental health at the moment and this idea that uh, and I think that this really strong feminist movement may be part of the problem as well uh, that we're not allowing men to be men anymore mm. for whatever distinction that means for them because we're telling them that they can't open doors for us or um, that they can't you know say and do all of these sorts of things and there's no kind of rite of passage for men anymore mm. so their place in society is completely different um, so I think that that is not a good thing um, but I do think that those are two yeah, different issues. D- different issue. I, even when I said it, I sort of realised that. So let's. Uh, we've got one more topic to sort of get into. Yes. Um, and that's the Hannah Gadsby Nanette stand-up show on on Netflix. I was going to have a little video, but I thought that it needs to be watched as a full video. And we don't mm-hmm. have an hour to watch it, but um, overall, I thought the show it was it was. I had some good laughing moments, you know. I yeah. thought, you know, there's some great comedy. I like in there. how she says just a little bit lesbian, yeah, like yeah. that cracked me up <laughs> yeah. every time. There's some super funny bits in there, and she's obviously she seems like a a, a nice person, very sane person. Yeah. However, there were some parts of the show, particularly in the later parts of the show, which was when that sort of visceral response kicked up with me and I was actually felt a little bit offended. It's very hard to offend me because I love the fact that everybody has different opinions on things. Yeah. Um, but some of the quotes here, and these are not verbatim, so they just, guys, just they're not pulled straight out of. Um, but she was sort of saying that she was afraid of men if she's the only woman in the room and if you don't know this, you're not speaking to the woman, women in your life. Um, she was sort of saying that rapists 
or predators like Harvey Weinstein and um, or the others, especially in, in the entertainment industry, industry are the norm, not the exception. I sort of had issues with that. Yeah. Um, and then she sort of went on to say that all men should pull their f***ing socks up um, in regards to their behaviour towards women and, and all these sorts of things. And she obviously has quite a, tra- um, not a tragic story, but a, a, a troubled story Mm. um dealing with abuse and things like that um what did you think (laughs) what did you think of the show it's funny because my takeaways are a little bit different to that which is really funny which is good um oh and i'm coming i'm feeling so opinionated right now i'm gonna blame the red wine i'm definitely getting like my alcoholic (laughs) splash on i don't know why that's happening but uh anyway i i found the idea of having a comedy special to like an hour and a bit long show to get up there and say you're quitting comedy i found that a little narcissistic (laughs) um and a a little bit of a ruse when yes it was comedy and yes i know it was under the guise of comedy and she is a comedian but she was getting up there to talk about some very serious issues which i think is great that she has that platform but at the same time are we moving into this territory where we're just getting too precious? For if comedians can't have a go at themselves and can't be the punchline totally. of their own jokes, yeah. then are we just, uh, you know, is everything too politically correct? Is mm. everything too precious? Is it not more important that we could actually have a room full of people with differing opinions and learn to be able to um, take someone else's feedback and criticism yeah. and be able to, you know, not take any of that on board and just go, okay, cool, that, yeah. that's your opinion and move on. Well, I think, and just I keep going, but um, that's, oh, someone, one famous philosopher said something like, it is the art, it is the sign of an intelligent person to be able to entertain an idea without taking it on as a belief or opinion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think that that's a, that's a really good summation yeah. of, of the way I felt about it. Yeah. And I know that she brought up, you know, Pablo Picasso and how he, um, you know, had sex with an underage girl and she was 17 and mm. it's uh, it, like are we gonna <laughs> yeah. pull apart every yeah. person in history for their you know indiscretions mm. and i'm not saying that that's right or wrong but i just think that maybe that platform is a little bit narcissistic and yeah. i think that for her to be uncomfortable in a room full of men then that's the that's an choose issue a different bloody room um yeah. or yeah. you know that is more of a per- like i think maybe a personal issue that mm. would you know your own um, experiences that are leading to you know that kind of thing yeah. and i understand that she doesn't want to be self-deprecating anymore and that's great for her but i think that comedy should also be a platform where yeah, <laughs> that or, stuff is allowed there's a power in being self-deprecating i think because what well, i think one of the um greatest things about my life is that i'm able to not take myself that seriously yeah um but yeah i mean where does it stop and where, where does it end and I think that that was, that was my main point, my main mm. takeaway. And I'm not saying that I didn't enjoy it. Um, oh, I just, yeah. So I think my biggest thing was just it should be healthy to be able to not agree with everybody and to have dialogues about different things. And I think that yeah. that is the, um, the platform of, and maybe I'm going way too left field here, um, but is that not the platform for that free speech? Yeah. Um, and is what kind of, you know, makes yeah. this real world a interesting rich place yes well, totally yeah well i'm sure we could go into it more um let's jump to a little sunday soliloquy and then <laughs> come back to answer question of the week okay okay this is 
Sunday Soliloquy where I discuss something that I've been thinking about this week and this week I posted to my Instagram, make sure you follow me on Instagram here at Cal's Broccoli, I posted to my Instagram, if you're worried about the carbs in your salad, you're missing the f***ing point. And that's something, again, that sort of comes back to that whole idea of relaxing into health and wellness and listen to the kookaburras, how cool is that? relaxing into your health and wellness journey and the point is you're eating the salad that's what I'm trying to say the point is you've already won you're eating the salad you don't need to be worried about the carbohydrate content of your salad maybe you are in a metabolically damaged state and you do need to do that but I'm trying to speak as generally as I can here the main point should be yes I'm winning I'm eating the salad I'm eating the salad um, I've seen a lot of I think extremism in the health and wellness space start to rear its head at the moment. There's, you know, people are either vegan or they're keto, and there's no in between. But I think in between is where we can find true health and wellness for the rest of our lives, not just for 12 weeks. Um, so there we go, guys. The point is, eat the salad, enjoy the salad, eat it slowly, have fun with it, um, and follow me on Instagram. <laughs> Let's talk about probiotics for a second. My absolute favorite probiotic is this one here. It's called ProGood and it's a symbiotic mix, which means you get prebiotics and probiotics in the same pack. All you have to do to take this is mix it together in water, let it sit for a couple of minutes, let the probiotics and the prebiotics do their thing, they'll multiply to really high numbers and then drink it up. I'm all about maximizing efficiency and getting the most bang for your buck. And that's why I enjoy this particular probiotic. Get yours at nicelife.com.au. And remember, you can get free shipping on your first order with us simply by entering the discount code broccoli roast. Guys, we want you to be part of the show. If you have any questions you want to ask me or my guests on the show, simply send us a message on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash broccoli, with a little video of you asking a question and we'll put it in the show and we'll answer it. People who submit the best questions will also receive free access to my Gut Healing Series online course. So just head to facebook.com forward slash broccoli and send us a video message with your question. If you don't want to shoot a video, you can also submit a voice recording over at anchor.fm forward slash the broccoli roast. Back to the show. Okay, so just quickly, Jan asks, why do women seem to have more autoimmune Ooh. disorders than men? I know we've touched on this before and we've got a couple of minutes to wrap it up. So what do you think? Fantastic question. I think we talked a little bit about this on the gut the online gut summit yes um, okay, the gut healing summit yeah, yeah the gut healing summit yeah. so um why do women have more autoimmune conditions than men and it seems to be i think there's a very strong hormonal influence in this as well i'm talking about camera yeah yeah, that's yeah. Fine. uh so it's interesting that for example women who are on the oral contraceptive pill have a threefold increase um risk of developing things like crohn's disease which is definitely you know that inflammatory um you know autoimmune bowel condition and those sorts of things as well and it is because when we're in that particularly estrogen dominant state relative to other hormones it can mess with other parts of our body so it can suppress our thyroid function um, which can lead to you know uh, um, hypothyroidism and it 
women tend to, when they get stressed, they go into more of an immune, uh, autoimmune kind of pathway, whereas men go into more of an inflammatory type pathway. Um, And that's a very simplistic way of viewing it, but it's definitely because of our hormonal load as well um, and the imbalance of that hormonal load. Yeah, good books for Jan to read on that? Oh, uh, oh, I, Dr. Amy Myers does a yep. great okay. one. Um, the autoimmune protocol, I think it might be called, yep. um, is fantastic. That will um, you know, help to set the okay. stage. But I think just any kind of understanding of um, particularly uh, toxic estrogen load will help as well. Yeah. Okay. And also, where can people find out more about you to listen to about this stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. we, we have the podcast, Wellness Women Radio. Uh, you can find it on iTunes or, you know, any of the podcast stations. Um, we release every Tuesday and it's always, you know, all of these sort of topics, yeah. but focused particularly on women's health. Um, you can find me, uh, my practice is the Wellness Studio in Fremantle. My website is drandrea.com.au. I'll put some links on the screen. Yeah. Um, and I have... Uh, purely under duress i've just started an instagram and a facebook page that is just you know the dr andrew it's separate to the wellness women yeah. um so if you want to go and like give me some love on there yeah love guys it. Make go me, ahead and make do me feel it. loved <laughs> <laughs> all right well thanks for being on the show thanks oh thanks so much for tuning in guys <laughs> take a deep breath i hope you enjoyed that one be sure to subscribe to the channel here on youtube or on your favorite podcasting platform let me know in the comments or on socials what else you'd like to see on the show. If you've got any opinions on today's episode, please feel free to share them with me, but please be cordial and respectful and allow others to do the same. See you guys.